Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the blood of Christ as we pick up in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 19. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. When Jesus died upon the cross, he descended into hell. This is what the scriptures declare to us in Acts, the second chapter. For the promise of God was given to him, thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither will you allow the Holy One to see corruption. When they asked Jesus for a sign, he said, A wicked and an adulterous generation seeks after a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the earth, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Paul the Apostle tells us in Ephesians 4 that he who has ascended, Christ, is the same one who first of all descended into the lower parts of the earth, and when he ascended, he led the captives from their captivity. Now, prior to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, until the price was paid for man's sin, those righteous of the Old Testament period could not enter into heaven when they died but were kept waiting in the grave. The best description for this is given to us in Luke's Gospel, chapter 16, by Jesus Christ. As he told us of a certain rich man who fared sumptuously every day, and the poor man that was brought daily and laid at his gate full of sores, the dogs came and licked his source, and he survived off of the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. And the rich man died. The poor man died, he said, and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Moreover, the rich man also died, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being tormented, and seeing Abraham afar off. And Lazarus there, the man that he had recognized, the beggar that had been at his gate, Being comforted by Abraham, he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he might take his finger and dip it in water and touch my tongue. I'm tormented in this heat. Abraham said, Son, remember you in your lifetime had good things, Lazarus evil. Now he is comforted while you are tormented. And besides this, there is a gulf that is fixed between us. And it is impossible for those that are here to come over there or those that are there to come over here. Now that's a pretty straight statement for any of you that are hoping for a second chance after you're dead. Jesus declared that it was an impossibility to cross that gulf once you were dead. And so he said, I pray you then, if he can't come to me, send him back that he might warn my brothers. I don't want them to come to this horrible place. And he said, they have Moses and the prophets, and if they won't believe Moses and the prophets, neither will they believe if one should come back from the dead. So Jesus describes to us what hell was like, the grave, Sheol, Hades. Now, when Jesus died, he descended into Sheol or Hades. And there he preached to those souls that were being held in prison. But here in Isaiah chapter 59 or chapter 61, 
A prophecy concerning Jesus Christ declares the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those that are bound. Those that were bound in the grave, in the prison. He proclaimed liberty to them. So when he ascended, he led the captives from their captivity. You see, we are told that those men of faith in the Old Testament all died in faith, but they did not receive the promise of resurrection. God having reserved some better thing for us that they, apart from us, could not come into the completed state. So Abraham and all of those of the Old Testament, believing, died in faith. But yet, because their sins were not put away, they couldn't enter into the heavenly scene. It took the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to put away sins. Now, the blood of bulls and goats could make a covering for sin. It was a temporary covering that looked forward in faith to the work that God was going to do. But it was impossible that the blood of bulls or goats could put away sin. That took the blood of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus, when he shed his blood, made the provision for all men to come unto God. And he went down and first of all took those who had died in faith, believing and trusting God to send the Messiah and the Savior. He preached to them God's deliverance and God's redemption. And when he ascended, he led them with him, the captives from their captivity. And in Matthew's gospel, chapter 27, it said, and the graves of many of the saints were open and they were seen walking through the streets of Jerusalem after his resurrection from the dead. And so I believe that this particular verse is a prophecy that is making reference to that event, that beginning of resurrection, when Jesus led the captives from their captivity, and thy dead shall live, with my body shall they arise, awake and sing, ye that dwell in the dust, for the dew is as the dew of the herbs, and the earth shall cast out her dead. And that took place at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible says that he who lives and believes in me, Jesus said, he who lives and believes in me shall never die. Behold, Paul said, I'll show you a mystery. We'll not all die, but we'll all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. A metamorphosis is going to take place with each of us. For we know that when the earthly tabernacles or the tents, the bodies in which we presently live, are dissolved, that we have a building of God that is not made with hands, that is eternal in the heavens. Now, I'm living in this ragged, worn-out tent. I'm getting tired of it, but that's all right. One day, I'm going to move out of this ragged, worn-out tent, and I'm moving into a beautiful mansion. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you, and I'm going to prepare one for you. And so Paul said, we have a building of God, a mansion, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So then we who are in these bodies do often groan, earnestly desire to be delivered from them. See, the Bible teaches that the real me is spirit, not the body. The body is only a tent in which I'm dwelling temporarily, but the real me is spirit. The body is the medium by which my spirit expresses itself. 
but I'm looking for the new body, the building of God not made with hands that is eternal in the heavens. So we know that when this tent is dissolved, we have a building of God not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So then we who are in this body do often groan, earnestly desiring to be delivered, not that I would be an unembodied spirit, but that I might be clothed upon with the body which is from heaven. For we know that as long as we're in this body, we are absent from the Lord, but we would choose rather to be absent from this body and to be present with the Lord. So that glorious day when I move out of my tent into my house where I'm to dwell forever, the new building of God that cannot experience pain, doesn't know what weakness is, won't need sleep, and many other things. So it's exciting to anticipate just what kind of a body will I have. Paul the Apostle said, some of you will say, but how are the dead raised, and what kind of a body will they have? And then he gives you the illustration of of the difference between planting a seed and and the, the body that comes out of the ground. He said, when you plant a seed in the ground, all you plant is a bare grain. But God gives it a body as pleases him. And the body that is to be is not the body that you planted. All you plant is a bare grain. God gives it a body that pleases him. So the grain may be wheat or some other grain, but the body that comes forth is not the body that is planted. He said, so is the resurrection from the dead. We will be planted in weakness, but we'll be raised in power. We are planted in corruption, raised in incorruption. Planted a natural body, raised as a spiritual body. And so it's quite exciting to me, the anticipation of moving into this new house, the building of God that he's been preparing for me, that he's promised that he was going to come and receive me unto himself, that where he is, I can be too. Now, I couldn't be there in this body. This body wasn't made for that. I wouldn't want to be there in this body, to tell you the truth. I don't want to wear glasses forever. I hate glasses. (laughs) And there's just a lot of things about... Now, it's not... I appreciate the body that God gave me. God gave me a strong, healthy body, and, and I appreciate that. I appreciate the fact that I'm rarely ever sick and all, but I can see myself going to pieces. I can see the deterioration that's taking place. I don't have the same strength or stamina anymore. I, you know, I just not what I was. But thank God I'm not what I'm going to be either. For God has a new body, a building of God, not made with hands eternal in the heavens. So, This is a reference to that time of the resurrection of Jesus when he led the captives from their captivity and brought them on in to the glorious heavenly scene, now waiting for us. And so here's an interesting verse now in verses 20 and 21. As God said, Come, my people, Enter thou into thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. Now, this is definitely a reference to the great tribulation period, the last three and a half years before the return of Jesus Christ. The period when the earth will be under the power and the control of the Antichrist 
and God's wrath is being poured out upon this earth for its iniquity. The Lord's coming out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. Now, what does God say to his people during this period of time? Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation or the great tribulation is over. For God is coming to, out of his place to what? To punish the inhabitants of the earth. Now, the fact that this time of God's indignation and wrath is a punishment of the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity precludes the church bearing a part of it. For we are told God has not appointed us unto wrath. So when God comes out of his place to punish the earth for his iniquity, he tells his people, come into thy chambers, shut the doors, hide thyself for a little while until this indignation is over. Now, this can have one of two possible interpretations. It is possibly God speaking to the nation Israel, the faithful remnant of the nation Israel, that he is going to bear down to the wilderness place that he has prepared for them where they are to be nourished for three and a half years until the great tribulation is over, or it could be a reference to the church. And there is no way by which you can positively say it is one or the other. Unless you look at it with a presuppositional view that the church is going through the great tribulation, and then you would say, well, it doesn't refer to the church, it refers to Israel. But that's only interpreting from a presuppositional position, which I feel is wrong. So having a presupposition that the Lord is going to take his church out before his judgments and his wrath are poured out upon the earth. I can possibly interpret this as a reference to the church where the Lord is saying, come into your chamber, shut the door, as in Revelation 4th chapter, and I saw a door open in heaven. And the first voice I heard was an angel as of a trumpet saying, come hither, come up hither, and I will uh, show thee things which must be after these things. So hide yourself and the church there with the Lord in heaven while the indignation and the wrath of God is being poured out upon the earth. That is very possible. There's no way you can deny that that is not true. It may refer to Israel. I don't know which it refers to. It could refer to both. But at any rate, a very fascinating passage of Scripture whereby God indicates that the time of the great tribulation is a time of God's punishment for the iniquity. Now, God has punished my iniquities already. So it is not consistent that God would punish me for my iniquities because he has already punished his son 
for my iniquities. All we like sheep have turned astray. We've gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own ways. And God hath laid on him the iniquities of us all. Christ bore the punishment for my iniquity, and therefore it would not be consistent that God would punish me for my iniquities. That's what salvation and the gospel is all about. You don't have to bear the punishment of God for your iniquities. Jesus took it for you. That's the good news that we have to this dying world. So come, my people. Enter thou into thy chambers and shut the door until this time of indignation is over. Hide yourself for a moment. So I take great comfort in that. I take great delight and pleasure. Those who have a post-tribulation view get no comfort, no pleasure, no joy out of that verse of Scripture. (laughs) Chapter 27. In that day. Now, what day? In the day in which... God is bringing the great tribulation upon the earth. In that day, the Lord with his sore and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent. So Satan. And he shall slay the dragon. That is in the sea. You, you saw the beast coming out of the sea in Revelation, having ten horns and so forth, and with the mouth of a dragon, the Antichrist, Satan, the powers of darkness. In that day, sing ye unto her a vineyard of red wine. Now, verse 27 really goes back with those of 26. Now, in that day, sing unto her, that is to Israel, A vineyard of red wine, I, the Lord, do keep it. I will water it every moment, lest any hurt it. I will keep it night and day. Fury is not in me. Or who would set the briars and thorns against me in battle? I would go through them. I would burn them together. You you can't put up barbed wire to keep God out. Or let him take hold of my strength that he may make peace with me. And he shall make peace with me. He shall cause them that come of Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. Now here is just a neat little prophecy tucked in God's statement of of how he's going to uh, again bless the nation Israel, how he again is going to make them his vineyard. It's quite a contrast with chapter 5, where God speaks out the woes against his vineyard, how he had taken care of the vineyard and all, but it didn't bring forth fruit, brought forth just wild grapes, and so he let the vineyard go. Now God says the day is coming when he's going to take again his vineyard and watch over it and keep it and water it and dress it. And he shall cause them that come of Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. Already we are seeing this prophecy fulfilled. Israel is blossoming and budding and filling the earth with fruit. Israel is the fourth largest exporter of fruit 
in, of any nation in the world. The United States leads in the exporting of fruit. But Israel is the third largest fruit exporting nation in the world. And yet it is smaller than the state of California. But not only has Israel gone into the exporting of fruit all over Europe. Actually, there are these jumbo jets that are flying out of Tel Aviv every night to the major uh, cities of Europe taking fruit and taking flowers. In the wintertime, you can buy fresh flowers in, in the flower shops throughout all of Europe. Where do they come from? They come from Israel. They grow the flowers year-round down in the Jordan Valley, and, and they ship them out overnight on these jumbo jets to the markets of Europe. And the same with the fruit. You buy the oranges and the fruit from Israel uh, in the markets of Europe. It is blossoming, it is budding, filling the earth with fruit, and also with flowers, the interesting blossom and bud. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Isaiah on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Isaiah 26 through 27 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is the Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. And now may the Lord help you to assimilate that which we have studied, and may He bring to your remembrance those things which He has commanded. And may you be enriched in the knowledge of God and His will and His plan for your life. May the Lord be with you, to bless you, guide you, And may you be kept by that power of God through faith and trust in Him. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Have you ever had a friend who's not a believer and they ask you a question about the Bible and you're thrilled? Finally, they want to know about God, but then you go blank because you can't remember the scripture that would answer their very question. You're not alone. It happens to me all the time, and I think if only I had a quick scripture reference that would help me right then and there, that would be perfect. 
Well, guess what I found? Pastor Chuck's Old and New Testament study guides are available to download as ebooks instantly to your phone or mobile device. Now, whenever you need to find the meaning to a scripture reference quickly, you can. Pastor Chuck has written great little Bible commentaries to help anyone come to a better understanding of God's Word. To find out more and to read a book preview, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link to download the Old and New Testament study guides by Chuck Smith. Or if you would like to order these books in print, call the Word for Today at 800 272 